One o'clock. Uh, hello, and welcome to the Middle East Forum Speaker Webinar Series and Podcast. I'm Stacey Roman, and I will be moderating this discussion today. We're pleased to have David Goldman, Deputy Editor of the Asia Times, Washington Fellow at the Claremont Institute, and Senior Writer at Law and Liberty, join us to discuss the new, new Middle East, China, Iran, and Turkey. Mr. Goldman will speak for 15 minutes, then open it up for questions. Should you wish to ask a question, please use the Q&A box located at the bottom of your screen to type your question. And with that, I'll turn the discussion over to Mr. David Goldman. Thank you very much and good afternoon, everybody. It's a great pleasure to be once again before an audience of the Middle East Forum, an organization with which I've had an association uh, of more than 20 years and deeply admire. The world that we lived in until early 2022 uh, has changed. And what we see now looks very different from what we had in the past. This is the reshaping of global alliances and global positioning by war, specifically by the Ukraine war and the efforts of uh, Russia and its friends and sometime friends and sometime allies to uh, evade American sanctions and reorganize trade flows in a way to keep uh, the Russian economy going and the Russian war machine going. Just a couple of years ago, as I'm sure most of you are aware, because uh, I know Daniel Pipes has written a great deal about this, I've written a great deal about this, Turkey was, from an economic standpoint, the sick man of not just Europe, but the sick man of the world. Its currency was the worst performer among any of the majors. It had lost about 80% of its value in uh, under four years. Its stock market was in the dumps. Uh, the country appeared to be running out of reserves, and uh, its uh, mercurial President Erdogan, by advocating, let's say, highly unorthodox economic policies, seemed to be pushing uh, Turkey to the brink of bankruptcy. Now, this is not a slideshow, but with your um, uh, forbearance, I will briefly uh, show a few pictures because uh, they'll just save us a great deal of time. Um, moment. I'm trying to share the screen now, and I don't know if I'm succeeding. Moment. Um, Nothing yet. Uh, this should work now. Uh, can you see a slide now? No. No. Well, hmm. give me one more moment before I, I give up on the technology. The um, that should work now. Yes, we can see it now. All right. So what we have here uh, is uh, the blue line is China's exports to Turkey, which have roughly tripled since COVID in the past three years. And then we have Turkey's exports to Russia on the right-hand scale. That's the orange line. They've also roughly tripled, and the two lines uh, track each other so closely that there's no doubt but that the surge in Turkish exports to Russia 
reflect the surge in China's exports uh, to Turkey. Uh, there has been a good deal of reportage in the past uh, several weeks about the details of uh, Turkish exports to uh, Russia, though, of course, we don't really know uh, what's really going on because the Turks uh, have about $25 billion a year of what are called errors and omissions in the balance of payments. In other words, the, Turk, the Turkish Central Bank noted that $25 billion somehow turned up in its coffer of foreign exchange that people gave money to Turkey, but they don't know what it's for. Uh, I think it's a reasonably fair guess uh, that most of that reflects unreported uh, exports to Russia. That's one of the reasons the Russian economy, rather than contracting by half as the Biden administration predicted it would, in March of 2022, uh, has shrunk uh, imperceptibly uh, and seems to be functioning um, uh, reasonably uh, reasonably well. Uh, by the way, as a result of this massive increase, so partly as a result of this massive increase in Turkey's trade, the Turkish stock market has been the world's best performer. Since July of 2022, it's nearly doubled in US dollar terms. What we're looking at is uh, US dollar equivalents, uh, not only the best uh, performing emerging market, stock market, best performing stock market anywhere in the world, Turkey is growing very rapidly. Its massive imports from China are not only a method of evading sanctions to transship uh, essential goods, including, for example, computer chips or military uses, to Russia, China is giving Turkey enormous amounts of trade credit. So Mr. Erdogan has gone from being a near bankrupt a couple of years ago uh, to you know, a prosperous leader of a burgeoning third world uh, economy with pretensions to the big leagues. Uh, how did this happen? Well, I think the short answer is that Erdogan uh, has had a consistent policy of building up blackmail capability against uh, everyone he deals with. He has the ability to blackmail China because China's Uyghurs, who are heavily oppressed by the Chinese government, uh, are effectively Turks uh, of Asiatic background. They speak a dialect of Turkish. Uh, Turkey has uh, considerable capability to make life miserable for the Chinese should it support Uyghur insurgencies. It has the ability to make life miserable for Israel. It hosts Muslim, uh, uh, Hamas leaders in Istanbul, and although there has been an exchange of ambassadors and an improvement in diplomatic relations between Turkey and Israel, um, Turkey has refused to eject the Hamas leaders. It has given aid and comfort to the Muslim Brotherhood for many years, uh, threatening the security of the Gulf monarchies in highly religious societies run by, uh, let's say, monarchies, which seem somewhat out of date. The Muslim Brotherhood as a totalitarian vanguard policy represents the biggest internal threat to the Saudis, the Emiratis, and so forth. 
I think the simplest way to look at Turkey's success is that Erdogan cashed in his chips. He told the Chinese uh, that he wouldn't help them with Uyghurs and in fact helped to deport some Uyghurs back to China uh, in return for Chinese trade credits. He told the Gulf states that he would call off the Muslim Brotherhood in return for financing. And in fact, Turkey's um, uh, fortunes changed beginning in early 2022 with a $10 billion loan from the United Arab Emirates. And of course, uh, he's been um, uh, attempting to improve relations uh, with Israel. Now, what does this mean for the new configuration of the Middle East? Turkey has the most powerful army in Western Asia. It has uh, 750,000 soldiers. Now, Iran has something like that, but Turkey is far better equipped with a far better air force. Iran uh, has been a problematic partner, even for countries which have desired its success and done their best to help it. China, of course, has been Iran's major ally for the past you know, 20 years. Uh, but as you see in the chart, China's exports to Iran have fallen to a fraction of what they used to be, to barely you know, $600 million a month. They used to be on par with exports to Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia's imports from China, meanwhile, have doubled. So Saudi Arabia's economic importance to China is much greater than Iran's, thanks to the self-isolation of a, a lunatic and dangerous regime. Now, a man-bites-dog story emerged, uh, part of the type of December 9th, uh, 2022, uh, as I'm sure most of you are aware, China and the Gulf Coordinating Council published a statement saying that they resolved to address the Iranian nuclear file and destabilizing regional activities, address support for terrorists and sectarian groups and illegal armed organizations, prevent the proliferation of ballistic missiles and drones, and so forth. This is the first time China has publicly criticized Iran for terrorist behavior in a joint statement uh, with the Saudis and the Gulf states. Now, of course, afterwards, the Chinese said nothing has changed with their relationship with uh, Iran. Um, uh, Iran's leader came to China uh, last week, had nothing but, but wonderful things to say about Xi Jinping. Uh, but nonetheless, that was a shot over Iran's bow. Uh, what's happened? China has an existential interest in the flow of oil coming out of the Persian Gulf. It would be a catastrophe for China's economy were there to be a war, say, between Saudi Arabia and Iran, which interrupted the flow of uh, oil to China and the rest of Asia. The United States produces its own oil. China does not. So China has a limit of patience when it comes to Iran's spoiler activities and sent a signal to Iran that it doesn't want it to get too far out of control. On the other hand, Russia, uh, in its war effectively with NATO, has become an open ally of Iran. They haven't simply bought a lot of uh, these inexpensive drones from Iran for use 
against Ukraine's uh, uh, infrastructure. Uh, the Russians have also agreed to sell Iran uh, Su-35 fighters. Now, as a practical matter, the Russians don't have enough Su-35s of their own. They're short of planes uh, to try to establish uh, air dominance in Ukraine. So that won't happen for some time. But nonetheless, if Iran were able to acquire uh, modern fourth generation fighters, and the Su-35 is a perfectly good fighter, if they were able to acquire high quality air defense, uh, the um, uh, S-400 uh, anti-aircraft system, and they were able to protect their nuclear program against a possible Israeli strike, the military balance in the Middle East would shift seriously against Israel. And this is a real threat on Russia's part. Russia and Israel, of course, uh, were never friendly, but had a working understanding under which Israel had a relatively free hand to destroy Iranian assets in Syria the, since 2016. Um, the Iranian war uh, could change all of that. China, which helped build up Iran and build up its uh, ballistic missile capability in the past, uh, may turn out to be a stabilizing force to the extent that it opposes actions by Iran, which might lead to an interruption of the flow of oil. And Turkey has emerged as a key player in all of this, because from the standpoint of the Russians, who depend on Turkey not just to import products outside the sanctions, but also to sell a great deal of their oil through informal means. Uh, from the standpoint of the Russians, from the standpoint of the Chinese, everybody seems to be centering on Turkey as a potential stabilizing force in Western Asia. Is this foolhardy? Is it malicious? Uh, the answer is, I simply don't know, because I don't know what goes on between Erdogan's ears. For many years, I've considered Erdogan to be a mercurial, dangerous, uh, fundamentalist fanatic with a neo-Ottoman ambition to reject Turkey's power back to where it was pre-1918 and to contest the leadership of Islam uh, with the Gulf states. However, Turkey certainly has an opportunity to act like a responsible nation state as opposed to an, a new imperial power. Uh, and it can enjoy a certain degree of prosperity and regional prestige, as well as military power on that basis. That would be the Turkey that Israel got along so well with before the Islamist party of uh, Erdogan came in. So there are too many variables to guess about what's going to happen. And I have to leave you with uh, uh, only a lot of questions. What will China do with Iran and Turkey? What will happen with the Russian-Iranian alliance? How will Israeli-Turkish relations uh, proceed? The response of the world in reordering its affairs in response to the Ukraine war has created a new and extremely dangerous situation for Israel. Uh, there are opportunities, but there are many, many risks. 
Um, and I don't know how this will proceed. I'm simply trying to give you a lay of the land. So with that uh, uh, uncertain note, uh, let me stop here and uh, uh, open up to questions. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that. Uh, so the question, first question in is from Larry Greenberg. Uh, Erdogan is facing an election. Is there any possibility of him losing? And Rabbi Joel Schwartzman follows up, given the horrific uh, earthquake disaster with 50,000 dead and many more injured, and the revelation that Erdogan is sold to building builders' permits to avoid code violations. Again, Erdogan, is there any Erdogan. chance? Erdogan, yes, has a tough election to fight, and I don't know what the outcome will be. Before the earthquake, I would have said that his chances of re-election were excellent because Turkey's economy went from being a disaster to one of the fastest growing uh, in the world. Currency stabilized, inflation began to come down, and Turkish asset prices rose sharply. Uh, the earthquake obviously was an enormous blow to Erdogan, um, but... I think the probability still is that Erdogan uh, will survive and uh, re-emerge as the leader. Uh, if he were to be kicked out by the opposition, I would shed no tear for him. That would certainly change a lot of things. Thank you. David Levine asks, is uh, anything Turkey or Erdogan currently doing likely to jeopardize their membership in NATO? Probably not, because... The United States badly needs Turkey's cooperation in the Black Sea. Remember that one of the greatest threats to Ukraine's viability as a country is the possibility that Russia might cut off its access to the sea, take Odessa uh, and other points along the Black Sea and leave the remains of uh, Ukraine as a landlocked rock. So having control of the Black Sea, limiting Russian operations, uh, maintaining cooperation with other NATO countries in the Black Sea, including Romania and Bulgaria, is a key uh, NATO priority. Uh, it's also true that um, Erdogan is probably less dangerous to NATO inside the tent spitting out than vice versa. Uh, it's very difficult to kick someone out of NATO. As a matter of fact, uh, there's no clear legal procedure for expelling a country from NATO. But if the United States, for example, were to deny arms to Turkey, uh, effectively isolating it from NATO, there's no reason the Chinese couldn't start selling you know, J-16s and J-20s, their new fighters to Turkey. And you know, by most US accounts, their new fighters are reasonably good. And they've got lots of also very good missiles, surface to surface missiles, surface uh, uh, air-to-air -air missiles and so forth. So I don't think that we want China, or, or not to mention Russia, to be the main purveyor of arms to Turkey. As you know, Russia already sold uh, Turkey uh, the S-400 uh, anti-aircraft system, which is a very good system. Uh, Erdogan is very adept at blackmailing everybody, including us. And I think we would find it um, uh, hurtful to our interests uh, to put him on the spot because he has other places he can go. Thank you so much for that. Uh, Ron asks, will we be able to read any tea leaves better with Turkey's acceptance or rejection of Finland and Sweden into NATO? Well, 
Turkey is throwing its weight around. It, it, Turkey wants cooperation in crushing the Kurds. Uh, the Kurdish minority in Turkey can be as, as anywhere from you know, 25 to 30% of the population. Uh, there was an excellent estimate done by uh, Nick Everstadt of the American Enterprise Institute uh, nearly 10 years ago, which projected that by the middle of this century, roughly, half of Turkey's uh, people of military age would come from Kurdish-speaking households. Uh, Turkey's overall fertility is barely a little bit below replacement. But if you take the Kurds out, uh, ethnic Turks' fertility is probably well under 1.5. I haven't seen the latest uh, numbers, but the Southeast, which is overwhelmingly Kurdish, has a fertility rate of three children per female. So from uh, Erdogan's standpoint, the Kurdish issue, in his view, is an existential issue for the, Turk for the Turkish state. So he's not, in a sense, being a baby when he tells the Scandinavians that he's demanding cooperation on suppressing Kurdish opposition in return for NATO membership. Uh, whether that will uh, lead to an exclusion of Sweden or not, I'm not sure. I think he's uh, made pretty clear he's willing to let Finland in. And that's, that's actually quite important for NATO. The Finns are tough. They have a militia of several hundred thousand soldiers. They're very well armed. Uh, in global uh, opinion polls, the Finns are one of the few countries where a great majority of people said that they, yes, they would fight to defend their country. And the Finns have done it before. Uh, they're impressive. So I don't think ultimately what Erdogan is doing by his way of petty blackmail to gain leverage on the Kurdish issue is going to be a, a major strategic setback to NATO. Thank you. Jeff Billingham asks, would an S-400 system in Iran be a mortal threat to Israel, uh, one that simply could not be allowed to proceed, or could Israel somehow live with that? Uh, we really don't know. Uh, what, the, uh, what the Russians give people to whom they export systems varies enormously. Um, and depending on what kind of equipment they give them and what kind of deal they might negotiate with Israel, uh, it could be almost anything. And without knowing the specs, which were, of course, highly classified, I have no way of knowing them, uh, it, it is hard to know. The, the main thing about the S-400 as opposed to S-300 is it has much, much longer range. Uh, there's a question as to whether Israel's F-35s have enough stealth capability to evade Russian anti-stealth technology. That's a question we haven't wanted to ask. Uh, as you know, one of the reasons that we were so upset about Turkey having you know, Huawei 5G uh, installations in the country is we were afraid that this might somehow lead to the Chinese being able to gather information on F-35 flights uh, and learn how to defeat stealth. So that's always a delicate balance. Uh, it can't possibly, can't possibly be good. Is there a possibility that Israel could find a way to spoof that technology to overcome to overcome it, yes, there's a possibility, but that's the kind of problem you don't want to have to find out. 
So it, it's it's not a good development. Thank you. And you mentioned uh, China and Turkey as a stabilizing force in the region. Um, should we support this, or is this something that the U.S. should push back against in the West? Actually, oh, the problem is that China is a major exporter of the kind of things that Turkey needs. Uh, for example, uh, uh, I'm, I'm speaking to you as it happens from Barcelona. I'm attending the Mobile World Congress in Barcelona. And I, I spent some time at the Huawei Pavilion, which occupies one of the major exhibition halls. All of Huawei's competitors are packed into another hall about that size. Turkcell, one of the uh, two major mobile providers uh, in Turkey, has a booth there in the Huawei Pavilion talking about their wonderful cooperation with Huawei in building out 5G broadband, according to everyone in the development business from the International Monetary Fund of the World Bank, is the key to economies like Turkey. That's what they need to raise their productivity. The United States, sadly, does not offer any digital infrastructure. The Swedes do Finns uh, uh, with uh, Ericsson and Nokia, but by far the dominant player and really the dominant player in the development world is uh, China, Huawei and ZTE. So yes, we should push back against it, but unfortunately, because we have let key aspects of our industrial infrastructure atrophy, we are not in a position to offer Turkey the same kind of things uh, that China can. Um, and I think that should be something of a wake up call for our own economic policy. Yes, of course, we should push back. Uh, the problem is we don't have all the elements we need to push back. And a follow-up to that, what would your suggestions be? Well, at this point, I think that we need to um, do our best to keep Turkey inside the tent. I think pushing them out, uh, penalizing them, would probably backfire on us at this point. So we want them to stop helping Russia by selling Russia's oil through unregistered tankers or by mixing Russian gas in with Azeristan gas and selling it to Europe. Uh, we want that, well, we, as you know, uh, probably you read in the newspapers, uh, uh, senior treasury officials went to Turkey to demand that Turkey stop uh, evading sanctions and providing uh, high-tech and other goods uh, to the Turks, which they are in large numbers, and basically lying about it by calling it Arizona mission. So we should exercise every possible pressure we can on Turkey to keep them in the fold uh, and stop them sandbagging us. But at the same time, um, uh, we're, we're not in a position to replace China. So I think the key here is to keep Russia as the odd man out to the extent we can. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, Richard Schmidt asks, how do you assess the potential of Iranian-Turkish conflict in the South Caucasus in the context of growing Azerbaijani assertiveness towards Iran and its ally Armenia? Well, that's a really complex and, in fact, tragic situation. Uh, Armenia, as you know, has been allied to Iran for 
due to various accidents of geography. Um, and it's trying to get Iranian and Russian help uh, in its fight with uh, Azerbaijan over the uh, uh, over regions which it conquered after the fall of communism. Uh, and uh, Azerbaijan is attempting to uh, take back at the moment, Nagorno-Karabakh. Um, the Armenians got the worst of a war with uh, Azerbaijan recently, and uh, their hold on uh, Nagorno-Karabakh uh, is in question. I don't believe that the Turks and Iranians are likely to come to blows. They've always cooperated reasonably well. They haven't had a war for uh, for hundreds of years. However, uh, the, the, well, the other reason for them not to fight is because there simply aren't any Shiites in the Caucasus. Turkey has always used its influence in the Caucasus, which it borders among Islamic fundamentalists inside the Russian Federation, as an instrument of blackmail against Russia. So Russia has always wanted to keep Turkey from exploiting its capacity to support uh, Islamist rebels against Russia, uh, I think Iran is going to be uh, very circumspect in dealing with the Caucasus, and that's not something that uh, they're going to tangle with, because Iran knows perfectly well that if they came, if it came to a fight with Turkey, they'd get clobbered. Uh, they, they have no serious ability to uh, deal with the Turks. Turkey is, a, Turkey is a much better trained, larger and better equipped army. And above all, that is an air force, including about 40 old American phantoms, which have been refurbished with new avionics by Israel aircraft industries. Fascinating. Well, thank you so much. Before we go, can uh, you tell our viewers where we can find some more of your work? AsiaTimes.com. Uh, I also write for Law and Liberty, but uh, these issues I think you'll find well covered uh, in Asia Times. Uh, we broke many of these stories before our competitors, and we're proud of our work. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Well, we've come to the close of our webinar. Thank you again, Mr. Goldman, for joining us today. My great pleasure. Thank you for the kind invitation. Of course. For our viewers, please join us Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern for an update with Ashley Perry. Thank you all for joining us, and I hope you have a wonderful day.